0: means something which gives light you know or something which illuminates okay but wahaj has the sense of like for the sun you know what I'm saying so the sun has two qualities it has light and it also has heat and the heat can be overbearing it can be harmful sometimes you know they say don't stay out of the sun for a while but with the Prophet he's described the siraj and munirah which is just the light so the light is there guidance the benefit of the light but the heat is not there So that's, something that's the beauty of the Qur'an um, And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Sent down upon him His book Which Allah describes as Hakim, Wise, you know, perfect حكيم, The word Hakim has the meaning of wisdom In it, full of wisdom It also has the meaning of perfection We say that the Qur'an We say a Qur'an hakim you know, Hakim means it has wisdom in it But it also has a sense of perfection mean, no fault And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Has legislated his religion And has guided through the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Us to the straight path
1: okay.
0: Now, in terms of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam As being a guide um, there, There's two senses of guidance Okay The one sense of guidance which we took in the last session, right, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens one's heart to accept Islam. This type of guidance only Allah Azwaj can give. Okay. But the guidance which the prophets of Allah give are is the guidance of directing, of showing. See, there's two types of guidance. There's the guidance of showing the truth, you know what I'm saying? And then there's the guidance of somebody's heart opening up and accepting the truth. Showing the truth, the prophets of Allah, and all who follow them can do that. You know what I'm saying? You show somebody the truth. You show them the right way. You explain to somebody Islam. But for a person, it's hard to open and accept that. That's something that only Allah is to do. And so guidance is, is two types. Okay? And actually, after guidance, is four types. So let me give the other two types just for completeness, right? The first type of guidance is the guidance which Allah has placed in every single creature. What we call usually in English instincts. Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala says in Surah Al-A'la, Al-A'la al He has measured and He has guided everything. So, how does Allah guide everything? Well, for instance, I mean, how does now a child, when it's born, knows to suckle the breast of its mother? How does an animal know that? How do salmon know to swim upriver? How do birds know to fly south for the winter? How do animals know that, you know, that if they eat this plant, it will be poisonous, but if they eat that plant, it's nutritious for it. How, I mean, how does how, how does a zebra know that a lion, you know what I'm saying, it's his enemy, but a giraffe is not? How do, how do these animals know that? All these creatures are alive. Allah, Samantha, has guided them. Allah... Has has provided that for them? Maybe I shouldn't use He's kind of in Australia. So, so how, how do they know that? I mean, this is from Allah's, Allah's guidance to So, the point is, this is the first type of guidance, the guidance, the conceptual guidance. Okay, the simple The second type of guidance is the guidance I was referring to, right, which is showing the person the path. That's what the prophets of the law do, and those who follow the way of the prophets. I think mean, they show, they direct, they lead. The third type of guidance is the guidance of opening the heart. Hidayah. That's well. They're all hidayah because guidance is hidayah. These are all types of hidayah or levels of hidayah. And the fourth and final, uh, the fourth and final guidance is the guidance that occurs. In the hereafter Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala In Surah Muhammad The 49th, uh, 47th surah The 47th surah After referring to The martyrs Those who Are killed in the path of Allah uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says That he will guide them So if they've been killed How is Allah guiding them? Well, the Kasir explains that And the hadith tells us that On the day of judgment Right? I mean, when you enter into paradise, you know to take your home, right? Better than you know your way to to, to your home and this world. This is a form of guidance that a lot of lives are there definitely. So, there are four levels of guidance. Yes, brother. And also how to reach it, also. When you enter into paradise, I didn't know that I, I, this house has been given to me or that house has been given to me. Uh, Surah 47 it's right in the beginning of Surah Muhammad I mean if somebody uh, opens Surah 47 It's like the second or third or fourth verse it has In reference to the martyrs that Allah guides you So So Allah guided through the Prophet Muhammad Sassab. Now you know those four levels of guidance If you don't have the first level of guidance You don't have the first level of guidance Huh? Number oh, six. Verse number 6 Ayah 6 saying six levels of guidance I said, oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I've, I've been having a problem all these years teaching four I'm just yeah. five and six so 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 the first level of guidance if you don't have it then you're not held responsible for your acts right because if you don't have I mean if you imagine a human being now right who can't even distinguish the basic you know instinctual things right I mean, he doesn't have the ability to, to you know he doesn't have the ability to think you know to reflect so he's not held responsible for his deeds. And the second form of guidance in itself does not bring you into uh, Islam, you know what I'm saying? It's a mercy from Allah, that one shows you, but you, unless Allah opens your heart, right, as we just said the last point of the last, uh, yesterday's lecture, you so. And then the fourth form of guidance comes, if you are, you accept the guidance that Allah, Allah gives you in this world, you know, He opens your heart, and you act upon it, and you grow, in it, then you'll receive the guidance with her after, in terms of the word um, so how do we feel about this about the problem sorry So then we have some discussion points. Uh, what is the mis- mission of the messengers? What was the mis- mission of the messenger Huh? What? Green glass signs, warners, and also as a. Huh? No, no. Uh, they're guides, but also. Huh? Well, that's true. But what's the also the message? They inform us. Uh, all that's true. They're also a proof against humanity. And that's the first point we took from what He said that once Allah sends the messengers, there's a proof against human humanity he he has no excuse, no plea with Allah, it's uh, what who was the last messenger? In the name of the scripture which was sent down with upon him, no? the Quran, and what is the position of this scripture with like regard to other scriptures? It abrogates it. No? It confirms it confirms the truth in them and it abrogates them. You know, Okay, so now that the author has talked about belief in Allah and belief in the Quran and Qadr and the messengers, he now comes to the next matter, which is the uh, Day of Judgment. The Day of Judgment. Okay. And here, uh, the author uh, mentions uh, that the hour uh, is definitely going to come. And that Allah will raise up the dead And as He has created them He will return them Now the first part The first paragraph That Allah The hours undoubtedly come uh, uh, That is from surah 4 ayah 136 That first point because The hour will undoubtedly come It's from surah 4 ayah 136 And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Will resurrect the dead وَأَنَّ uh, This is also from the Qur'an It's from Surah 22 Surah Hajj 22 Ayah number 7 And that as they were uh, Created they will be returned Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala has said in his book بدأكم, As he has begun you To عدون, You will return And this is in Surah 7 Ayah 29 So That the hour will come There is no doubt regarding that Means the hour of judgment okay. Indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Has informed us in the Quran In uh, Surah Al-Taghabun Which I think is 64 no? Yes, Yeah Surah 64 uh, Surah Al-Taghabun is, is Surah number 64 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs us In Surah Al-Taghabun Um, Surah 64, ayah number 7 That uh, That the unbelievers uh, Claim that they will not be resurrected (inaudible) Zahmallavina kafru The unbelievers 64-7 That the unbelievers claim that they will uh, Not be resurrected So Whoever denies the resurrection Is a Unbeliever Whoever denies the resurrection of the dead and says, "Okay, you die. That's it. There's nothing else." He's an unborn. The second matter is that uh, concerning uh, the the hour of judgment. When is the hour of judgment? Okay, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala has told us uh, in Surah Seven, Ayah One Eighty Seven, that they question you. Yes, Alunika, Saati, Ayyana They ask you, Muhammad صلى الله وسلم, regarding the hour. When will it come? When it will come Say say to them in response When they ask you where they at, when the day of judgment will come That the knowledge of when it will come Is with my Lord So no one knows when the day of judgment will be But Allah is with them Neither the angel Neither the prophet Nor human beings Nobody knows ayah, Surah 7 Ayah 187 the final point regarding this thing is what, what, does, what did the author mean Ibn Abi Zayd al-Qayrawani what did he mean when he said that um, as you have you know been created you will return Well, Allah says this in the Quran as I mentioned in Surah 7 Ayah 29 no 29 that um, that the Prophet ﷺ explained that to us that people will be raised naked barefooted and uncircumcised. The people will be raised naked, barefooted, and uncircumcised. I she was surprised with the Prophet you know, Men and women will be naked, won't they be looking at each other? The Prophet said the matter will be more severe for them to to be concerned with that. The matter will be too severe for who needs to be concerned with that. He's not even going to cross the thoughts of anyone You two will be just concerned About what will happen So uh, In summary So that we, the day to saying it's going to come And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Will resurrect the dead From their graves Naked, barefooted and uncircumcised As he created them So we have some discussion questions What is the hour? The hour is the resurrection of the dead That's what they mean by the hour And what is the ruling regarding one who denies it? He is a kafir, unbelievable. As the proof is the ayah from Surah that I gave you, from Surah 64. That the unbelievers claim that they, you know, will not be resurrected. So if you deny the resurrection, you're an unbeliever. Uh, will Allah resurrect the dead? Yes. How that will occur? Uh, it will occur in the sense that they will be resurrected from their, from their graves, bare, uh, barefooted, uh, uncircumcised, and naked, as they were created in Then the author, he's continuing in the discussion regarding uh, these matters um, of uh, the Day of Judgment. And he says that, and that Allah, subhanahu, has multiplied for His worshippers, His ibad, their good deeds, their hasanat. And He has overlooked for them their major sins by their repentance, their tawbah. And He has forgiven for them their minor sins, their if they avoid the major sins. So this is something very important. He mentions here three matters. Here. As far as the good deeds, Allah will multiply for his worshippers, for his, his believers. His belief and worshippers. Which means that the unbeliever, the implication is the unbeliever, if he does a good deed, his good deed is... huh? Yeah, it's not multiplied. It's not multiplied, Right? He's multiplying it for the believers But for the unbelievers He just receives it in this life As the brother said It's not multiplied Okay Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says من جاء Hasana, Who he comes with one good deed Okay He will have ten equal Okay To its equal And that's in Surah 6 Ayah 160 Surah 6 Ayah 160 And elsewhere Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, mentions that concerning those who spend their, their wealth fi sabilillah, uh, fi Those similar to those who spend their money in the path of Allah uh, is like that of a grain, which you know gives um, um, produce to seven uh, uh, ears of of, of corn. Uh, each ear uh, has a hundred seeds in it. Okay. So the one good deed, right Produced 700 Okay And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Wallahu yudha, yasha. And that Allah multiplies even further than that be what he wants That's in surah al-Baqarah Surah 2, ayah 261 So the point is, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala When you do a good deed To the believing people Those people who have tawheed It's going to be multiplied from 10 700 to even perhaps even more than that. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, after mentioning seven hundred, then he says, and Allah multiplies to whom He wills, meaning He multiplies it many more fold than that without any without any you know uh, uh, number being stated to it. But when you do a single good deed, you have at least 10, 10 rewards for that. And look at Allah's mercy. And it can go up to seven hundred. And if it's a very worthy deed, it can be multiplied many, many fold more than that. So a person should be very zealous, right? To do good deeds. And the Prophet said, you know, Kenny Matan, two statements, which are light upon the tongue, heavy in the balance, beloved to Ar-Rahman, who knows who's true? Subhanallaho bihamdi. Subhanallaho bihamdi. I mean, these things are so easy to say SubhanAllah SubhanAllah This is something which I mean this is less last Hadith of So We want to refer to it Yes for uh, Right So, so you say humble You don't be self-righteous Self-righteous Right Right Yeah Yeah, because when you do, when we do a good deed, we're, we're 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 very concerned. We're very afraid that perhaps it's not accepted by God. No, well, that's true. I mean, that's true. But I mean, but one doesn't become all puppy about it because he does not know if his deed is accepted or not. I mean, now all of us are engaging in a good deed. We're learning about our religion. We're sitting in, in a house of the houses of Allah okay? Um can any of us say that we know that this deed that we're doing this afternoon has been accepted by Allah so, said, no, it has so as a result we do the deed but we're very humble because we say oh Allah please accept from us our effort we just when when the Adhan is called in about an hour's time or less and we stand and we pray Salah we don't know if Allah has accepted our prayer and we don't know if he's going to count that in our balance He's going to register that for us as a good deed. So as a result, we have to stay humble. Uh, right. Right. Sure. By, 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 well, the best way to protect yourself from that is by asking the lot with us. You know, praying to Allah to protect you. I mean, asking your creator, turning to your creator and saying, Oh Allah, protect me from the evil of myself. Protect me from... Right. That, that's the first step. And the second step is the realization that when you do those do-good deeds, you don't know which of those will be accepted by Allah. And so therefore, you know, you know they, they used to say the earliest Muslim used to pray for six months of the year that Ramadan comes around. They can do all those good deeds. And then when Ramadan would be finished, they would pray for the next six months of the year that Allah accepted from them all the fasting and charity and prayers and so forth they did during the month of Ramadan. So the believer is always between hope and fear. Like a bird. You know what I'm saying? He having two wings. You know, he, 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 if he hopes for Allah's mercy and he feels happy, then fear comes in. He fears for his sinfulness. He fears that his deeds won't be accepted. He fears his wrath of his Lord. And then when he fears, and then hope comes to his heart. So he becomes content, and he becomes pleased, and he hopes for Allah's mercy, and he thinks well, and, and he's and he's certain his Lord will treat him justly and kindly and forgive him and enter for paradise And then fear should come in. So back and forth like that. And and his and like like the head of the bird, what drives him to Allah is his love of Allah, his love of Allah because the perfection of His Creator, His Creator having the beautiful names and attributes. And also his love of Allah For the great blessings That his Lord has showered upon him If he cannot in the world So the first point the author mentions Is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Multiplies huh, These good deeds And as we saw from these two verses From the Quran It's going to be at least ten Right? If it's accepted by Allah It can go up to seven hundred And even can be multiplied Much much more precisely But But Then the author mentions uh, That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Through repentance Will wipe out uh, The major sins. Will wipe out the major sin Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Has commanded repentance uh, In many verses of the Quran Amongst which is Surah Al-Tahreem So somebody can find Surah Al-Tahreem like it will be around like 70 or something like that. Number 70. <coughs> in verse 8, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuha amanu, tubu إِلَى اللهِ تَوْبَةٍ نُصُوحًا Huh? 66 or 66? Maybe yeah, 66. Yeah, 8 Ya ayyuha amanu, O you who believe, repent unto Allah a true repentance. Asa rabbukum an yukafir ankum sayyi'atukum. That if you do so, perhaps your Lord will. Wipe out your evil deeds. So, yeah. So, the point is is that um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded the believers to repent unto Him with this nusuh, this pure tawbah. What is this pure tawbah? The pure tawbah is, you know, tawbah in order for it to be accepted by Allah has to have three stipulations, you know, three conditions the first condition you must have remorse you must have remorse for what passed what you did in the past the second must be that you must give up what the evil that you're repenting from the third must that you must never you know have that firm determination that resolution never to return again those are the three conditions of Tobin and if if the sin that you engaged in that you incurred in was with another human being it, 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 it resulted in you transgressing upon the rights of another human being you have to make reparations that human being. by either having that human being forgive you if you can or by returning to that human being like of what you took from his rights so if it's money you know what I'm saying if it's return back the money uh, if, you, if you spoke ill about the person you speak well about the person I mean, so for instance let's say a person a Muslim sinned and he took some money from another Muslim and he's concerned that if he was to go to that Muslim and say, look, I took from you some money which was not yours, mine, you know what I'm saying, it might result in greater evil. You know, if you feel the person is going to forgive you, then alhamdulillah, but if you feel really that the person it might it might lead to fighting or some sort of, you know, great evil, so you can return that money back to that person, you know what I'm saying, you take that money and slip it under his door without him knowing, you know what I'm saying, and saying, this is money which was taken from you and... I repented unto Allah through Jerusalem and God. More likely, you know, I'm saying people, we, unfortunately, I mean, we're very loose with our tongues, so sometimes we speak ill about other brothers or sisters. And here, uh, if you can go to the person and say, whether I have, I have spoken ill about you, or sister, I've spoken ill about you, that's between the sisters, you know, uh, I, I ask that you forgive me for that, that's what I'm trying. But if not, then you should speak well about that person. You should continue to speak well about that person until you feel you have made up all the backbiting, all the slander that you've done to that person behind his back. Okay. And that's, that's what you have to do okay. in order to repair that uh, harm that you've done. So, the question now comes, is the author, he mentioned major sins and minor sins. So wh- when is a sin a major sin and when is a sin a minor sin? That's something first important to know. Major sins are any sin which uh, has been linked to it a punishment in this world or a punishment in the hereafter. A major sin is any sin in which there is linked to it a worldly punishment or a punishment in the hereafter. So, like for instance, the hudud, right? That the thief, his hand is cut off. That shows us that fever is a major sin. That the zani, right, the one who was interested illicit sex, right, if he's a virgin or she's a virgin, is whipped. It shows us that that is a major sin. That they're stoned if they've been in the relation before. That means that shows that huh? That 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 is a major sin. You know what we call in English adultery. Um, uh, that for instance that. Um, that the, that the, that uh, for for the acts of homosexuality, the person is you know killed for that. That shows that homosexuality is a major sin, right? That uh, murder is prescribed for it. A, the law of retribution that shows that murder is a major sin. So anything where there is a worldly punishment, a hadj from the hudud, shows that it's it's a major sin. Yes, brother.
1: Uh,
0: the there's, ulama there's differ concerning how he's killed. You know what I'm saying? But the agreement is that uh, he should not be killed by, by fire, because only Allah punishes by fire. So the, the Sahaba differ. Some, you know, threw him off a high place. Some collapsed like a wall upon them. Some executed by the sword. Some stoned them. You know, so they different the Sahaba on how to met that punishment. Out.
1: Yes.
0: No. No. And now there comes the second part or linked to a punishment in the hereafter. So whenever you come across an ayah in the Quran or a hadith of the Prophet which mentions a sin and says, for these people they will have fire who do this act. Or for these people Allah will not purify them. Or for these people Allah will not speak to them. Or for these people, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they will not smell the scent of paradise. Or they will not enter into paradise. Or they will enter into the any sort of that mentions some sort of hereafter punishment for a a, a a a sin that shows that that sin is a major sin. That shows that that sin is a major sin. So if it has a worldly punishment attributed to it, one of these hudud, right, from the Sharia, like drinking and stealing and so forth, or it has a punishment in the hereafter mentioned to it, and you, you find in the a text of the Quran and Ayah in the Quran or a Hadith the publisher set then we can know this is a major sin. And the major sins, as Ibn Abbas has said, are closer to seven hundred than they are to seven. You now, many people think there are only seven major sins. Because the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu But the Prophet Sallallahu is asked, What are the greatest of the Akbarul Kaba'ir? The greatest of the major sins. You know what I'm saying? So that, that's what the hadith is talking about, the greatest of the major sins. It doesn't mean that these are the only major sins. That's why Ibn Abbas said, you know what I'm saying? He says that the, the, the major sins are closer to 700 than they are to 7. Likewise, any minor sin. Which is done habitually Becomes a major sin A minor sin Which a person does it habitually Becomes a major sin That's what Ibn Abbas said That there's no Sagheera No minor sin Ma'al-israr With habitual, habitualness Yes? If, if it's a sin that doesn't have You know what I'm saying A punishment mentioned to it or like that you know, anything which has any sort of disobedience to Allah is a thing. Okay, let's think of an example of a minor sin. just um, yes, a drinking too much coffee, no. no. Waste wastefulness, wastefulness.
1: Right?
0: No, no coffee Uh cigarette smoking, right? Okay. Uh you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Quran says, in the that Those who are wasteful are the brethren of the devils. In Surah 17. So it shows that wastefulness, right? Is a sinfulness, right? Because if they're the brethren of the devils, right? That that's that's a condemnation of it. So it's sinfulness, right? But it doesn't mention concerning wastefulness, it doesn't mention any worldly punishment or hereafter punishment. It doesn't say, huh? It isn't the ayah doesn't say at least at least I can't recollect an ayah concerning wastefulness or a hadith which says that they will be in the hellfire you know what I'm saying or that they will you know uh, uh, not enter paradise or that they will not smell the scent of paradise so it seems to me that it shows that wastefulness extravagance. you know what I'm saying is a type of sinfulness okay so if somebody's habitually wasteful right then one might say this is a minus sin becoming this by the way Well, I mean, for, the, for the shaving of the beard, that would be a minor sin that is, can be moved to a major sin in the sense that you're disobeying one of the statements of the Prophet sallallahu The Prophet said, Be different said, Be the unbelievers. Grow your beards and trim your mustaches. So, here when a person shaves, typically people shave every day, right? And so therefore it becomes something habitual. You know what I'm saying? And so that can become a major sin. So, but uh, you understand the, the, the definition of a major sin now, right? Is any sin, right, which is, yes, brother, So, but uh, you understand the, the, the definition of a major sin now, right? Is any sin, right, which is... Yes, brother? Which uh, can become a kufra. All sins lead eventually to kufr, to unbelief. Yeah, major unbelief. All sinfulness leads to major unbelief. But sinfulness becomes major unbelief when when the person no longer regards that sin to be disobedient to Allah. Okay? You see, when, when sins become very habitual, right... You know, people that eventually start considering it, you know, their heart starts dying, you know what I'm saying? They don't, I mean, a person, the first time he does a sin, you know what I'm saying? A sin, you know, you just feel just so bad about it, you know what I'm saying? And then if you do it a second time, you don't feel as bad. If you do it a third time, you know, you might start justifying it a the fourth time, you know, you might start enjoying it and a the fifth time, you might start, you know, thinking, well, it's okay for you. And finally, a sixth time maybe, or the 600 times, the 6,000 times, I mean, depending upon your heart, right? You might start thinking, there's nothing wrong with this. This is halal. Why should this be halal? And that becomes unbelief. Yes? Um, yes, yes. The hadith in Sahih Bukhari, right, talks about that, that there will come people groups of his ummah who will make lawful. Right. Um, uh, will make lawful for themselves uh, music and drinking of of intoxicants and having illicit sex and so forth. and Then lawful punishment. So. so the point is, is that so we found that major sins are three types: those sins which have a, a worldly punishment to them, right? The forgivers. Those sins which have been linked to some hereafter punishment or a minor sin which is done habitually. Now, there's a very good book by Imam Zahabi, which I think has been translated into English about The Major Sins. Huh? And I think it was summarized, the titles of it, uh, in Jamal Zarabozo's uh, translation of the book, The Path to Paradise, maybe volume two or one. I don't know which one you Huh? Is this the third volume? The first volume, okay. So uh, so there, so you find a listing of those major sins. Okay. That's something good for brothers, you know, to sit around and, and learn. So they're familiar with what these major sins are. And it's also good for a person to look at those major sins and think, where where do I fall? You know what I'm saying? Because these major sins, the what one has to do, one has to repent from them. Because, you know, major sins are something that your good deeds do not wipe away. Necessarily. You know what I'm saying? But you know, typically the good deed that you do, like the Prophet said, you know, from uh, salah to salah, uh, making the wudu. Or from Jum'ah to 'ah, Jum'ah, from Umrah to Umrah, from Ramadan to Ramadan, you know, wipes out the minor sins so long as you avoid the major sins. Yes, brother. Oh, the Prophet, if you look at his du'as, he used to say, I I seek refuge, I seek forgiveness with you, Allah, from that which I know and that which I am ignorant of. Yes, brother. No, you shouldn't shouldn't you shouldn't say you're sending a public right. No. No.
1: No. No. Right, right. Yeah, true. Sure. Sure.
0: Yes, lying is a major sin. The reason why is that the Prophet ﷺ said, uh, "It is upon you to be truthful. For a person can, is truthful and continues to strive to be truthful, okay, until he is written with Allah amongst the amongst the truthful, and truthfulness leads to righteousness, and righteousness leads to paradise." And the Prophet said, "It is, you know, beware or wo- woe to you from lying, for a, for lying leads to wickedness, and wickedness leads to the hellfire." He mentioned the hellfire with lying. You see know what I'm saying? And then he said that a person continues to lie and is zealous in lying until he's is written amongst Allah as a liar. So lying is the root of hypocrisy, and lying leads to wickedness, and lying leads to the hellfire. So. This is a sin which 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 a Muslim should be very careful to try to avoid. and, and lying is not just lying of the tongue. Lying in, in, in the sharia as truthfulness is not just truthfulness of the tongue. It is that when your when your deeds are not in agreement, alignment with your beliefs and your statements, that's a lie. And likewise truthfulness is when your deeds and your are in alignment with your statements and your, your beliefs. Yes, way. children have to be trained trained to do to, to train to them that you know and, 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 the, and the children are, will be trained especially children lie because they're afraid that they've done something wrong so when the parents train them that when they make a mistake how they can correct that mistake and how it's easier to, to solve the problem without lying you see what I'm saying then they have them to engage in lying that the problem then is going to be worse and so forth so then children will, will learn how to solve their problems without recourse to life. But you're right, I agree with you. I mean, we live in a time of deception. Everything is deceptive, you know what I'm saying? And this is one of this, the signs of uh, the, the coming of the Antichrist, the Dajjal. The Prophet said before the Dajjal appears, there will be years of deception. And so this is, you know, because he's the greatest deceiver, you know what I'm saying? He, he claims to be Allah, you know, he's, he's of course, just the a, a liar uh, that. No. So, so the point is Is that um, and, and likewise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala In surah al-furqan uh, After mentioning the sins of murder And uh, Excuse me, mentioning the sins of shirk And murder and zina uh, he, he says Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Whoever does any of these sins He will Come across um a famine, which is the is a name for for, for the hellfire, um, or, or, or sinfulness. Here, he will fall into sinfulness. Uh, uh, the, 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 the the torment will be multiplied for him uh, on the day of ju- judgment. that he will then live in, uh, in the in the hellfire. You know what I'm saying for eternity in a state of humiliation. Okay, except for those who make repentance. وآمنا and believe, وعمل Salihan, and do righteous deeds. Okay, these people, Allah will exchange their bad deeds to good deeds. Okay, وكان الله and Allah is is forgiving, merciful. So this is a very clear ayah. I'll come to this thing. That this is a very clear ayah because these are some major sins: shirk, murder, and zina. Allah is saying that whoever, uh, you know, uh, does this, he will. He will face the hellfire. He will, you know, be burnt in there and so forth. His punishment will be multiplied, except for those who repent, believe, and do good deeds. those these bad deeds will be exchanged to good deeds, and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will forgive them. So, this shows us that for these major sins, the way to remove them is through repentance, Now, yes, brother, you had a question. Yes, if they if if they do the hudud and they accept that and so forth if they don't then obviously you know what i'm saying right but but one of the one of the benefits of the hudud is that it removes the sin in this world and that's why some of the sahaba when they like when they, like when, they, when they, like when the woman she she committed zina you know what i'm saying the married woman she went to the prophet sallallahu and she wanted to cleanse herself of the sin so she volunteered herself and she Turned herself in, and she was eventually stoned. I mean, the cross said she was she was pregnant, and the Prophet, said, "I'm you know, waited for her to give birth, and then, you know, waiting for her to breastfeed the child. And once the child, he brought the child, the child was eating on its own. The cross then took her and and, uh, and uh, you know stoned her. So, so but see the woman here <laughs> wanted to, to be conscious, and so she put herself with her to a gift with her. No, only here. Once you die, the records are finished. That's it. So there's no. No, 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 no. You have to, you have to repent now. So. So 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 the point is the point is my brothers and sisters is that uh, through Toba we explain what Toba is. Okay. Now for those who do not who do not um, ok let's come to the minor sins the minor sins we said right uh, that from Surah Al-Najm the, the 53rd Surah Ayah 32 uh, the last quote I made from Surah Al-Farqan was uh, 25, 68, 70 25 and then verses 68 to 70 and then now we have uh, Surah Al-Najm uh, Surah 53 Ayah 32 and uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَالَّذِينَ يَجْسِنِبُونَ كَبَائِرَ الْإِثْمُ Those who avoid Did I answer your question or did I forget oh, okay. those, those who avoid uh, major sins well وَالْفُوَاحِنْشَ Those monastrosity means like the sexual sins okay? إِلَّا اللَّمَمْ Except for some minor sins okay? إن رب, إن رب, uh, That your Lord is وَاسُعُ الْمَغْفِرَةِ إِنَّ رَبَّكَ وَاسُعُ الْمَغْفِرَةِ Your Lord is um, uh, very uh, uh, forgiving, much sin. Okay, much forgiving, all forgiving. You know, wide, wide forgiveness. So here, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala is saying that those who, that those who avoid the major sins and these, these sexual sins, they're called fawahish. These are very evil sins. Okay, except for lemon. What is lemon? Lemon is uh, a type of sin which is not like zina. It's, it's less than zina. You know what I'm saying? For instance is, is is the sin Right of uh, If somebody touched You know what I'm saying uh, uh, You know A man touched the hand of a woman You know what I'm saying uh, This type of sin You know what I'm saying uh, a, a kiss You know Which is, which is not permitted In Islam, touching A touching you know, like Of the hand To another hand This is the The, the lamam sins Okay As the salaf is But the point is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Says that he is Going to forgive These types of sins Okay If you avoid the kabar and if you avoid these fawahids so and as the hadith said which I uh, cited from al Fusam that the five prayers and from Jum'ah to Jum'ah and from Ramadan to Ramadan are an expiation of all the sins if a person avoids the major sins so when you pray the five prayers when you uh, pray from Jum'ah to Jum'ah when you fast from from here to here, this all the sins in between it are all the minor sins are wiped out if you avoid the major sins, and likewise from Umrah to Umrah and likewise when you make wudu, the minor sins come from you and so forth. When you know, so all these things when you walk to the message, all these hadiths talk about the removing of these minor sins. Somebody had a question, I saw, now I mean, So, just simple, just uh, it, it, she's not your mahram. It's not your mother or your sister, or your aunt or your daughter or your or your or your, or your niece. and it's forbidden to take her hand. Right, his son, his son who, his son. Yeah, his son was a drunk, and then Umar beat him, publicly flogged him, like because he was a Khalifa. There was a caliph, and he was drunk and brought drunk and, he, and he publicly flogged them, and his son died from the flogging. Right. right Well, I, I don't, I don't know if that's. I mean, I don't know if that would become a major sin because the iron, you know, the thing is just talking about the severity of the sin. As an example, it doesn't doesn't seem to me like a punishment hereafter. At least that's what appears to me. But perhaps you could ask a scholar who might, you know, give a better opinion or a different opinion. Uh, Now, the point, so now we understand how we remove the minor sense, okay? Uh Yeah, I mean, if you're kissing your sister, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah, that's,
1: that's, 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 that's
0: for those people who it's forbidden for them to marry each other for for forever due to either blood or due to breast uh, fosterage uh, If they touch the hand, if they hug each other, they kiss. There's no harm like that. I mean, for instance, like now, one of the brothers, you know, uh, he he and he saw his aunt. Is she a Muslim or non-Muslim? And he kissed her on on her forehead, or shakes her hand, or kissed her on the cheek, or hugged her. There's there's no sinfulness in that whatsoever. Or with one's mother, or with one's daughter, or with one's niece. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. in his time, right? It seems The hadith seems familiar, uh, but I, I, I cannot remember now the authenticity of the hadith. I remember the hadith clearly with the brother mentioned about having like a, an iron pierced in his skull. Now I know that hadith is, is sound. This hadith, I, I, I can't remember the authenticity of it. So, you know, you have to refer back to the hadith books and see if the hadith is authentic, then that would show that it's a major sin. But I, I, can't, I can't recollect the authenticity of the hadith. Um, play it Uh, now we come okay so we talked about how we talked about the good deeds and how they're multiplied right ten or seven hundred or multi-fold we talked about the major sins we defined them the three types of major sins either it has a worldly punishment from the hadood either it has a hereafter punishment or either it's a minor sin which is done continuously habitually we talked about that the major sins need to be removed through total repentance. We talked about the minor sins are all other sins and that good deeds, if you avoid the major sins, will wipe out these minor sins. Okay? So now we come now we come uh, to the point about what about that individual who does not repent from the major sin? A major sin or many major sins? What about that individual? What, um, what do we say about that person? Well, the person who does not repent from a major sin, he is underneath Allah's will. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said, إِنَّ la لَا يَغْفِرْ أَنْ يُشْرَكَ wa وَيَغْفِرْ ma دُونَ ذَلَكَ لِمَنْ In Surah 4, Ayah 48, and also Ayah 116, if repeated twice in Surah 4. In Surah 4, Ayah 48, also in Ayah 116. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that He does not forgive the sin of Shirk, meaning if you die worshipping others besides Allah, or if you die, you know, ascribing divinity or the, the qualities of Allah to any human being, right? We said we talked about Shirk yesterday. If you die like this, Allah will not forgive the sin. But He forgives any other sin to whom He pleases, not to everyone. So the person who dies unrepentant of a major sin, he's underneath Allah's mashia, Allah's will. Allah might forgive him, or Allah Subhanahu wa Taala might not forgive him. It's okay. So if Allah doesn't forgive him, what does it mean? To be punished in the hellfire, yes, brother. Okay. So therefore, what do we say about the major sins that the person who is unrepentant from? It? They are. Well, then they will be punished. They're under Allah's will. If Allah wills to forgive them, He will. Okay. And if Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, does not want to forgive them, He will punish them. So these are for major sins unrepentant. Okay? So now I've got something which we have um, we have ten minutes and I want to uh, uh, quickly uh, go through uh, ten points. So if our, Fine brother who's writing for us. Yeah, he could write that off. Yeah, Okay. No. Yeah. Those are not human qualities. Those, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes himself with a face, but it's a face befitting his, 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 his nature. Yes, their
1: eyes.
0: Huh? No, no, no. You have to accept those attributes literally. It's not wrong, okay? Allah describes himself as having a beautiful face. Allah describes himself as having two eyes by which he sees. Uh, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes himself as having a hand that he grasps with, which he gives with. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes himself with these qualities just like he describes himself as having mercy, knowledge, speech, uh, hearing, seeing, gentleness, punishment, ab- power, ability. All these attributes of Allah are true, but they're all attributes describing Allah. So they're not like human attributes. You know so that's the difference. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says he has knowledge, we also have knowledge but Allah's knowledge is not like our knowledge okay when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says he sees we also see but our sight is not like Allah's sight there is nothing like Allah so when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes describe that he has a face he has a face
1: uh,
0: it, it, it becomes shirk when you think that his face as a is like a human face or the face of any creature no no, no that's fine it's a face which befits his lord and majesty and if we are from the recipients of the people of, of paradise, I ask Allah well, to make us from those people, we will see his face Yes, brother. Nah. Well that's what we're coming to right now, the the point. This is this is the point. Okay. So when anybody does a sin, any sort of disobedience to Allah, there is ten ways for the effects of that. But it doesn't result in punishment for it to be removed. So we need to put these ten ways. These are very important for brothers to know. Ten sisters. The first way is through repentance. Repentance. So. Oh, okay. Uh, The first way is through repentance. You repent from the sin, the effect of that sin will not come to you. Okay. The second way is through doing good deeds. Good deeds results in wiping out of the bad deeds. Okay. So the Prophet ﷺ said, follow an evil deed with a good deed, it wipes it out. Okay. The third way is through um, Let me take care. The third way is through uh, some sort of hardship. Indeed, the Prophet ﷺ told Abu Bakr that a believer, not a thorn, you know, a thorn like of a plant prickles a, bel- a believer. Except that, some sin is removed from that. So any hardship that you face in this world, you know what I'm saying? If you're patient, you know what I'm saying? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will remove some sins from that. The the, the fourth way... Uh, but of course, the hardship is your patience. I mean, obviously, if you're angry with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you're not it, it can lead you to more sins, right? So, uh, so uh, the fourth way... Um, is having
1: uh, let me, let's see. Uh,
0: the fourth way is um, the good deeds that that follow you after death. The good deeds that follow you after death, huh? Like the sadaqah jariah, the recurring charity, like knowledge which benefits is made up. You know what I'm saying? Like having a righteous son or daughter who prays for you. Prophet said when the son of Adam dies his deeds come to it. So so you might be you might have had some sins in this world, but because you have a charity which is still being made use of after your death, or you had some knowledge that people are still benefiting from. You you guided somebody to Islam. You died, but that person is living and He's still now praying and so forth, so you're still getting all his good deeds that might wipe away some of your sins. Or you have some righteous children, you know what I'm saying, who are praying for you now. Um number five is uh, the janazah prayer uh, that is held uh, for you Uh, the prophet said that there is not a single Muslim who 40 people pray, 40 righteous Muslims pray on his janazah except that they will intercede on his behalf so but here's something which you have to contemplate, right? Uh, you know how I'm going to get to it. One thing when you die in Mecca, right? And they take you to Masjid al-Haram to do janazah prayer. And there's 250,000 people, in janazah prayer. You have a very good chance of the, the 40 righteous Muslims, when they're asking Allah to forgive you your sins, that they're there to cause that intercession to occur. the chance of having some people they have Janazah they can't find 40 people to pray the Janazah because you know his Janazah is during the work day and you know nobody's there to you know let alone 40 people righteous people so this is one of the this is, and this is another of the hundreds and hundreds of examples of the dangers you know we have and we face by living because we live amongst the non or so okay the, the, fifth, the fifth matter sixth matter okay the sixth matter is uh, the torment of the grave the torment of the grave from the questioning of the two angels from the the, the, the the compression that the grave gives to the person when he's entered into it to the the punishments that a person can face the, all this removes sin okay the, the seventh matter is the uh, intercession no no before we come to intercession excuse me, the, the hardships of the day of judgment the day of judgment is 50,000 years the people will be standing they will thirst, the sun will be drawn near to them, the terror that they will fear, the scare, you know, the, just, you know, all helps you sit. Yes. <coughs> it seems it's like helping. Yeah, yeah. It's the brothers understand JD, Judgment uh one. Judgment day and something that's Yes. Yeah. But but the idea is you want to get these sins removed before you get to number six, right? Yeah. Okay. The hardship of the day of judgment. Okay. Uh eight, um the intercession. The intercession of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Or the intercession of the other prophets. Or the intercession of the angel You know, this all they might intercede, we might remove some of these sins from you, so you won't get punished for them. In the hellfire, huh? But you had done the martyrs, now are yes. Yeah, huh? There are intercessions. I mean, all, all, all these are, yes. Excuse me? No, we're going to come to the intercessions. There's some intercessions that only Prophet Joseph, but there's other intercessions that are done by the Prophet Ha-S1 and others. But we'll come to that, Shuhayana. um Number nine. Uh, Number nine is uh, the fire of hell. And number ten is the mercy of Allah. It's pure mercy. It forgives you that sin. Wipes it out. So whenever you do a sin, it's going to have to come you know, you have to remove that sin by one of these one of these ten ways. You know, either you repent from it, which is the best, you know, you have so many good deeds which wipes it out, you get some sort of hardship in this world, even if it's as little as a thorn pricking you, and you remove some sin. The good deeds that you did in this world that continue after your death, okay? The of prayer of the people who stand on it. The torment of the grave and all that and the questioning, the interrogation, all that incurred the hardship of the Day of Judgment, maybe perhaps the intersection of the Prophet or the other prophets or the angels or the martyrs turned out, the fire of the hellfire, and of course the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa taala. So the person who does a major sin, and it was unrepentant from it, right? You know, (laughs) he's underneath Allah's mercy, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, perhaps Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala might decree that maybe he's tormented in the grave for that major sin and that that, that removes that major sin okay? maybe the hardship of the day of judgment removes that sin maybe the intercession of the Prophet son removes that sin uh, maybe he had so many good deeds that he was able to wipe it out but that's, I mean that means so because major sins are such as need so many so many good deeds to be able to wipe them out and maybe it's just the mercy of Allah or maybe he has to be purified in the prior before he can go to paradise somebody had a question I saw a hand raised just for yes well yes because all the hardships are results of our sins all the all the all the evil that occurs to us in our life is results of our sinfulness or the sinfulness that has aroused us in our environment so you know you know your uh, your lace breaks of your shoe tying your shoe in the lace break because of some sort of sinfulness your car doesn't start dark stops you know what I'm saying huh you know so these are all from things you get sick you know what I'm saying right oh by, by doing like exercise and stuff like that No, that's no, all. No, 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 no. Okay, so is that uh, I think is time for well, hold on, o'clock. want o'clock. So so let's just do the, 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 the three um, questions we had discussion questions for these paragraphs.